Hello, my name is John Brink and we are on the brink in the capital of Northern BC, Prince George. And it's a beautiful, beautiful day in Prince George. As you can see, it's the middle of March. Spring likely will be early this year. With me today, two guests, Sandra and Paul Claremont. Kind of a special day for Paul, actually. Uh, Sandra <laughs> told me it's his birthday today. So happy birthday to you, Paul. Thank you, sir. And so you've been an Alpine George for a long time. So tell me a little bit about your past, both Sandra. I, I think I've known you. I was thinking about that and I was talking to some other people about I think I've known you for at least 30 years. I'm thinking so too because it's going way back. I have memories of Shane Black and Black's Furs on 3rd Avenue because yeah. I work part-time there. Yeah. And I do remember you and Sharon from yeah. that. And I think just in general, um, I'm a Prince George girl, so... Because I know. know you already before that, because yeah. I ended up buying that building from Shane. Right. When he left, and then later on I sold it again. But I knew you already even before that, and uh, so I came here in... 1965. Okay, and I came here in 1980 with my parents, of course, and my family yeah. from Cash Creek. Yeah. Uh, my dad was a Greyhound driver, so. And his we came name up. was. Uh, Gerhardt Jerry Meyerhofer. Meyerhofer yeah. was your maiden yes. name. Yeah. And your dad was a Greyhound yeah. driver. Yeah, he was for there many years. Very many years, and then he was the regional manager up here in Prince George. Yeah, for yeah. Greyhound. For Greyhound, yeah. 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 And, and, and we're going to talk about this a whole lot about it because you, you kind of like to be around uh, people that have buses and Apparently. bus <laughs> Apparently, I just Apparently. couldn't quite get that out of my system yeah. because then I kind of met this guy here and um, yeah, he was, uh, he's not a Prince George guy, so well, no. he's uh, um, uh, planted over from Ontario. Tell me a little bit about where you're from, Paul. I'm from Cornwall, Ontario originally, outside of Ottawa between Montreal okay. and Ottawa on the St. Lawrence River. But uh, when I was 20 years old, I had the equivalent of a pulp mill job and decided that that's not the life I wanted. So I sold everything I had, my motorcycle, my car. I wanted to go, you know, pursue skiing. I wanted to be a ski bum. So sold everything I had, moved out west with my friends and ski bum throughout western United States and Canada for three years. Yeah. Then after, you know, had a lot of fun doing that. Then eventually, it was come to the point where I had to work. Yeah. So I moved to Prince George with my pack sack and skis, and that's why it. Prince George. Uh, there was a friend up here that had a job, and I said okay because I was starving. <laughs> so where? What was I working? Yeah, uh, there's a place called Tri Waste out in the BCR at the beginning. So this one, Tri Waste. It's kind of the evolution of uh, um, New Alta or something like that. Okay. So, yeah. So I was working there to start, and just lived at the Carmel Hotel, and uh, just started working slowly. Yeah. yeah. Then met some friends and. That's where the story really gets interesting over time. So, so what year was that? 1993, 94. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, and, and so, yeah, so and then somehow you got, you got involved in buses. Yes. What was the attraction? Well, there's, two, there's a storyline there. I was driving part-time for a company called Grayline. Um, Rail Line? Gray Line of Victoria. They had buses up in Oh, Gray Line. Yes, Gray Right. Line. They're yeah. still there, right? Yes, they are. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think so, anyways. But um, yeah. driving for them and also driving for Pepsi at the same time. Yeah. And uh, But I found buses. I love the lifestyle. Of, you know, I'm, I love meeting people. So yeah. every day, every weekend, I'd be taking people on adventures. Yeah. You know, to Jasper, Vancouver, Kelowna, you name it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Pepsi, I'd be filling coolers. 
So I made it came up a crossroad where I had to choose between driving bus full time or driving or driving Pepsi and filling coolers. Yeah. I chose less money for the, the lifestyle and the, I enjoyed it better. Right. My mother wasn't pleased. She's like, well, Pepsi will always be there. Yeah. I don't know. You shouldn't do that. And I'm like, well, I'm like, never listen to you anyway. So I'm going <laughs> to yeah. always do what I want to do and uh, what, made me, what made me happy. So I uh, did that for, I don't know, seven, eight years and learned the industry. Then a window of opportunity opened. And uh, So what yeah. was the window of opportunity? Uh, Gray Line was sold to Rocky Mountaineer Rail Tours. Okay. Uh, Armstrong, I think his, left, his name is. And, are uh, are yeah. they still around in that yeah, I think in they are. format? In some form or another. Yeah. Um, but at that stage, I was kind of doing all the charter work up here in, the, in northern BC and uh, and driving still. So, we're now so in but they the said, late 90s? Yeah, or yeah exactly. Late 90s? Or, oh, yeah. Probably late 90s, early no, 2000s. Mid 90s. No, no, when that happened. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, probably 2001, yeah. 2002. Yeah. Okay. Then uh, they said, Paul, we're not going to send you buses anymore to manage and you know do charters. But if you start your own bus company, we'll rent them to you. And I already looked into buying my own bus, and no bank would finance me because they're you know they're very expensive assets. And uh, so that was the window. So I said, Oh my, I'm a, this is my chance. So so I took a course through Community Futures, learned how to start a business. Were you already together then? Oh yes. yeah. Yeah. You were married was, already. Yeah. When this was all happening, um, I think I. Well, that would be about, Ethan was born in 2002. Yeah. So kind of had a brand new baby. Yeah. This was kind of going on and. Yeah. And so dad, he wants to go out, buy a bus and mortgage yeah. the whole house. Yeah. And yeah. Risk everything. Risk yes. everything. And I just, I kind of knew that, well, A, he wasn't going to be happy not doing what he wants. He's an entrepreneur by spirit. Yeah. And um, I know we had support of my family, you know, and yeah. they helped me with the, you know, daycare and all the rest of it. And we just yeah. kind of took that leap of faith. And you kind of went in together, right? Yeah. Because mm -hmm. you had the the background of, uh, you know, y your dad's history and you that already connected you somewhat to the buses. Yeah, I couldn't in a million years think that that was going to be my future because in essence, I'm kind of doing what you're I'm dad kind did. of my dad right yeah. now, you know, like, yeah. so it's amazing how that happens right yeah because your career was totally different from that really because yeah. uh, i remember you uh, on ckpg reading the news yeah. you know so and then uh, you know you did that for quite a while yeah. too right yeah around um, i did that from 2008 to 2013 yeah and it was around that time that um, things were just really starting to explode with the company and I was always working outside the company, you know, A, to make Pain money. <laughs> <laughs> and also to have things, you know, benefits and, you know, health, like all those things that come along with having a full-time job. Yeah. And then that 2013 came and, you know, we were getting contracts and things were becoming busier and busier. And we made that decision that, um, you know, did it make sense for us to hire a person to come in and do HR and do scheduling and all the yeah. rest of it? Or... Would that be something that I could do? And I was, I was kind of burnt out from the news. Yeah, you know, it was. It's a hard slog to read. Was that before Shaw or after Shaw? That was after. So I went yeah. to CKPG after Shaw. Yeah. So I learned lots about the television industry from Shaw, like you know, um, being a videographer, editing, uh, production, that type of thing. And then at CKPG, I was the news, right? Yeah. So it was a little bit more. Of You've that. always been. Uh, uh, extrovert type of an individual 
<laughs> well, we argue. I actually yeah. think I'm an introvert that does extroverted things. Yeah. But uh, I didn't actually start doing um, anything to do with theater until I was in my 30s. Like that was um, with Judy. With Judy, yeah. yeah. And uh, you did some yeah. major productions, you know, yeah, that you yeah. were part really of. blessed to be able to have all of that, you know, history and. Where did you get all that talent from? Oh, well, I don't know. Oh, you're walking around house singing. Well, he and actually said that. He was like, you're always singing. And you got to meet Judy. So, so then I was, yeah. actually, I was with Shaw, and yeah. I was doing, um, they were doing West Side Story up at UNBC. Yeah. And yeah. it was that, you was know, amazing. Bill had built that amazing set, yeah. and they were outside and overlooking the entire town. And I was at Shaw Cable, and I was a videographer, so I right. had my camera, and off I went up to, you know, interview Judy, who I'd actually known for on and off through town. How you know, could you not? Eh? How could you not know Judy Russell? Yeah. And then it ended up being that um, Paul said, well, you should just go see Judy and you should get involved with theater. Yeah. And so I started going to... She'd um, sing like Snow White. I, start, I, I started <laughs> going to Alex, Alex Murray, and yeah, yeah. took singing lessons. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Mm. And then just auditioned and got some great parts and some great roles. And, and, and it kind of continued from there on in. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. on and on further, uh, because you you still were were you not involved in something last year as well? Well, we we had to all just go into doing absolutely nothing because yeah. of COVID. Yeah, but yeah. we were really fortunate because we kept doing play reads, right? Which were you know like scaled down versions of what a production yeah, yeah. would be. Yeah. And then I was really lucky because I ended up um, getting a part in the movie that shot here last summer. Yeah, and that's another. So now yeah. you're a movie star too. Well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> well, <laughs> you are. <laughs> yeah, so that was actually a really interesting experience because it's completely Is that different. with Jana? Yeah, so Jana actually um, contacted me and, and I auditioned. And uh, Sarah? Uh, Sarah Shack, yeah. Yeah, she's from here too originally. She is. Yeah. I remember her years and years ago with yeah. the other, when we had all the movies back in the 90s. Yeah, she was, uh, she got hired through the city because they were going to stimulate the movie industry and get investment, yeah. so she kind of... I know, and then it kind of just became a natural for yeah, her, really. Really yeah. good, yeah, yeah. Just unfortunate that it didn't. Um, it kind of stopped, right? I think there was probably more going on, like provincially and yeah. economically, and all the rest of yeah. it. But there was a few, right? Dreamcatcher and Double Jeopardy and yeah. Reindeer Games. He was in that one. He's mm. a movie star. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. then there was another one that was a very famous movie star that was down here, lived on North Nishako in a house they rented. Can't know what the name was of it. Anyway, wow. like the deer or something. Yeah, that Ranger was really, games. Was that where they stayed? Yeah. Then? Oh, okay. Yeah. Who was the, the, the Ben Affleck and Charlize Theron? I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Quite, quite a good movie. Apparently, still on Netflix or someplace. You and know. Gary Sinise. Yeah. Yeah. And and so. Uh, so that's good. What are you doing now then? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was kind of an interesting experience because it's completely different than doing theater. Yeah. It's it's night and day, but still yeah. really enjoyable. Yeah. And uh, so I've I've auditioned for a few things out of town, and uh, it's all done on on your cell phone, little yeah. auditions that you do with your cell phone. Yeah, yeah. And I've had a couple of close calls, but I haven't gotten anything yet. But yeah, you know, I'm at a stage now where I have a little bit more, kind of a little bit more freedom that I'd be able to maybe take advantage of, yeah. you know, doing something like that. You know, I'm not. Yeah. Don't have a little one anymore, and you yeah, know, yeah. He's like he's nineteen now. Nineteen, yeah. looking for a place to stay, <laughs> and we're away from the home, and or, or maybe us. the parents yeah. are looking for him. Yeah. <laughs> he's a great house sitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, 
So, so Paul, uh, you know, do you tell me a little bit about the entrepreneurship of it? Because, uh, you know, if you start something from the ground up, uh, from zero. you know, then uh, you, you have to get used to rejection. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always remember, uh, you know, when I started Bring First Products in 1975, uh, you know, I want to, I wrote a business plan, I dropped it off at every single bank in town and they all turned me down. Uh, and then I, I got a, two, a couple of them, they said, well, maybe you can improve this or change this. The problem that I had, I had lots of ideas and I had no equity. And, and that obviously what it all kind of came all about, you know. So then I had the, I always remember the Royal Bank, uh, you know, John Weems was the manager of the Royal Bank in, uh, in 1975. And uh, now, I, now I had been into the bank, I had that one and then CIBC that gave me a little bit of encouragement. The other ones say, don't, please don't come back, <laughs> you know. And, but I was trying not to be a real pain and just kind of make, changes to my business plan and uh, so then uh, I went for the 12th time to the Royal Bank and to John Beams and uh, they had an assigned fellow and so again I said well I made these changes and those changes and uh, and uh, he said okay you know so uh, you know let me talk to John now I don't know if you know the Royal Bank obviously you do but the second floor, they have their offices, but then the manager was sitting in the far corner as you go into the bank, in the far, far corner. And they, they were kind of, the division was in the little walls they had, uh, you know, so they all kind of connected. And uh, so he said, okay, let me take it to John. And, uh, you know, so, and I was sitting there, you know, saying, okay, what's gonna happen now? I'd been at the 12th time already. And then I heard, all in the bed, I said, I was looking for $25,000 to start Brain First Park, start a lumber company. And John Reem said, give them the money, give him the money. <laughs> and that's how it's true. 12 times, yeah. that's persistent. And he gave me, uh, they gave me the $25,000 and then I said to Sharon, my wife, I said, what am I going to do now? <laughs> you know, so, and You're that's kind it, of yeah. how it all started. Yeah, definitely. You know. Yeah. Well, and it's very so similar. It's very similar in one way. Uh, created a business plan, projections, forecasting. Went to all the banks, find yeah. lease companies, you name it, trying to get me to finance a, bu- a bus. Nobody would touch me. Yeah, kept it going back and forth. You know, and much like yourself, the Royal Bank is the one that kind of we like, got you started. We really like what you're doing here. We like your your graphs and your charts and yeah, and so on and so forth. And you think there's a good potential, but it's a really challenging industry. But we're not going to finance you that, but tell you what we can do. We're going to give you a $20,000 visa and some visa checks and wish you the best of luck. So I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I would and I'll, I'll take it. So that's what I had to work with. So I'm like, all right, I got a visa, some visa now, checks. At that yeah. point, did you lease the one oper- truck no. from, from the, the one company that said, okay, you can take it over? Rented them. So Rented it from And it was 4500 per bus. Okay. So How many buses? Two buses to start. And I knew I had a, a charter season of eight months, so I knew if I you know, was it like, lease to purchase type. No, no, just lease, just pure just rental, lease. no ownership, no yeah. no end game. It was just right. bore, boring equipment. Right. But I'm like, okay, that's the only way I can get this going. So I agreed, and so I had to fly myself and another driver to Vancouver, which pay for the flights, fuel the buses up because they brought more Victoria and you know and waiting in Vancouver for me. 
drive them up and sure them uh, by the, you know, so 4,500 per bus, you're already into for 9,000, mm -hmm. then the insurance is about 850 per bus. The, the employee's wage are already 13,000 into the, the credit card. Get them up here, then I start working them. Yeah. And uh, myself, another driver. and uh, So just, did you have yeah. to kind of develop the business? Because the- Oh, always. Yeah. I, I presume <laughs> Greyhound was still running. Yeah, that's but that's that's a totally different mm -hmm. animal. So I was just doing hockey teams, university, so would, yeah, um, high school, elementary, Gym. judo. Mm -hmm. Lynn, I love it, yeah. Lynn. Um, you know, right from the beginning, you yeah, did just, that. Yeah, because yeah. I, yeah. I was driving them when I was working for somebody else, so I got to know the cl the people, barracudas. Yeah, you know, so so you already yeah. had the connections. Kind yes, of so I went around chasing them, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah. got I got my own buses. Yeah, you know, so they a lot of people, and that's what I loved about the community because they rallied behind me. Yeah, and you know, I started managing the Caribou Cougars when I started doing that as well. Yeah, so I was driving the Caribou Cougars, managing them, and starting a business, and you know, so and uh, yeah, so the first eight months was a whirlwind. She never saw me. No, I don't think yeah, because so. I wasn't just driving the buses; I yeah. also fixed but them. And were you then them? supporting yeah. Yeah, the? I don't even know what, what year would that be? The what other was things I doing? that was two thousand three, two thousand four. Working, I had, I had like a baby. Yeah, <laughs> and she was at CKPG. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I had like a little. No, I was at Shasta. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I, Ethan would have been like a toddler. Yeah, yeah. Right. So working, you had your hands full there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's so you were a lot on the road then in the beginning. Oh, for many, many with years. your two buses and uh, yeah, then I returned them. Yeah, and uh, after the eight months, then I basically I had some you know numbers on the on the books and yeah. then started shopping around some more. But again, it was really hard to buy a new bus. No, no chance. So um, you didn't? Could you not buy them from them at that? No, point? no, that wasn't an option. So why, then, why, why why would that be the approach from them to do? To not to sell them, they no, because they're 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 assets, and they got yeah. it's easier for them. I had to maintain them, insure them, and everything else, and yeah. they just get the the cash every month, right? Yeah, so, yeah. And uh, but at least I established something on the books. Yeah, right? yeah. And returned them. Then I bought my first bus with the help of uh, Greg Pocock, and uh, worked with him at Hydro Mechanicals. He was coaching teams at the time, so he let me keep my buses there, and yeah, he gave me a little assistance, and I got a government guaranteed loan for fifty thousand. So just to give you a perspective, my first bus I bought was fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, the last bus we bought was half a million, seven hundred twenty thousand. So, yeah. well, um, you know, so the the black bus that's yeah. that's what it's worth. So and we bought yeah. a few, uh, you know. So, we don't have the so it was blowing black smoke anymore. out the back. <laughs> we don't have the fifty thousand dollar bus anymore. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. But but yeah. that kind of puts it into perspective, right? Yeah. Like if uh, you know, same as you, when I say. I started a lumber company, uh, bring first products with twenty-five thousand dollars. It's hard to. How can you possibly yeah. do that? That's yeah. not possible. Exactly. Yeah. You know, but what I did, you know, what you lack in knowledge and what you lack in capital, you have to be innovative. So uh, I rent the property that I am on now, or one of the properties, uh, is that I leased it from somebody. And with the old lumber mill that already had been shut down for a long time, on top of it, and uh, so that's how I started. And then, uh, you know, the uh, with the twenty-five thousand, uh, you know, then I worked as long as I could stay awake, seven days a week, monkey wrench, drive yeah. forklift truck, <laughs> go to the banking, do yeah. all of that stuff, right? And then, uh, you know, the uh, so after about three months. 
the 25,000 was gone and I was 75,000 in the hole and yep. every time on River Road a, tr a truck would drive by, a car drive, I thought it would be the bank and saying, okay John, the gig is over, give me the keys. <laughs> no, but they didn't. And then, and I couldn't find any partners to go in it because they said nobody can succeed in that business. So you can't do it. So uh, that's what happened. I had to, yeah. was on my own. I couldn't find anybody to be partnering and well now, uh, you know, uh, 47 years later, I don't need any partners. So yeah. all the all the companies that I have now, I own, you know, on our own. Nice. And that is the warehousing, the the sawmills, and uh, you know, and the lumber mills. You know. So, but the other part that uh, I was going to share with you is, if people look at these type of interviews, but I always find it is important to know. That's been my experience in saying how how did you do this? Yep. How can you get these kind of companies off the ground? What does it take? Because I'm whoever that may be, want to do something in business. I'm always trying to figure out how do they do it. Yep. That's and that's very important, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, and that's why I talk about it, and why, that's why I like to talk about it with you and uh, both of you, and as well, and share my own as well. The uh, the first one was that when I came to Canada in 1965, about two blocks away from here, the Greyhound Station. Oh, right. Yeah, I had uh, uh, one suitcase, one set of books, uh, <laughs> a couple of books, and uh, one set of clothes, and uh, $25.47. <laughs> and then, could speak the language, didn't know, so didn't have a job. You know, so, and then I got a job uh, piling lumber in Quanel. It was on a Thursday. And, and so, fortunately, I went to the post office and was in July and there was a fellow that was uh, working for the uh, immigration service there that had a Dutch heritage. That helped me, obviously. Yeah. And, and he found me a job in Quanel, yeah. piling lumber. And so, okay, I said, okay, that's where I go then. Yeah. Uh, I'll take the bus every 20 minutes, a bus to Quanel, right? No. You know, so if you want to go there, I had to start that evening because obviously I had a cash flow issue and I hitchhiked with my suitcase, uh, you know, to Quanel. <laughs> and then he the guy that hitchhiked me uh, and said to me, I couldn't speak the language. So he, he said, where do you want to go? I said, Greyhound, because that's where we stopped on yes. the way up, right? And uh, so, uh, and he dropped me off at the Greyhound station and uh, fortunately the 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 personnel manager of Wellwood of Canada uh, helped me find a place to stay and then dropped me off at the mill and I started piling lumber with my suit on and uh, white shirt, gray pants, black jacket and uh, so I said by the first cock break I took my tie off. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then from there on in you know, it's a little bit of a story in between then I went to Prince George and then my dream was to build a mill you know, to come to Canada, start from nothing, build my own lumber mill. And uh, my, the, my somewhat of heritage, my grandfather was a master carpenter, my dad managed a small little operation, not his, been in Holland. And so my dream was to build a career in the lumber and, uh, and to build my own mill. And so then I came here to Prince George, became a, a cleanup man for uh, one of the mills here. Uh, actually, the mill that I worked for was uh, Purely coincidental, Netherlands overseas. <laughs> Didn't know anybody there. The name was there, but it was fairly new. It was a big mill. And then with a year and a half, I was superintendent of the finishing side of the operation. That didn't go fast enough for me. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, then I had an offer 
to become a manager of a mill in Watson Lake, Yukon. I don't oh, know really? Can you imagine a guy from yeah. Holland? You know, that uh, it was a climate like Victoria and is going to Watson Lake, Yukon, where uh, I've seen it there 62 below. Oh, yeah. Or, or it snows in July and you don't, don't know if it's late or early. Yeah. You know, so, anyway, so I uh, went there and I managed Watson Lake Lumber. And uh, with the commitment after five years, I would get one third of the ownership. So oh. now, yeah. Okay. And then I stayed in the motel and, uh, you know, then uh, I ended up, I, I had to make money, right? Mm -hmm. So the for to buy uh, the mill even earlier than five years. So I bought the motel, Jack and Mac, called the Design Post Motel. And, and I had to make a deal with them to, how to buy the mill. Well, the lady that had the mill or the, uh, the, 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 the uh, motel and restaurant lounge, she wanted to desperately get out of there. And so I made a deal with her. Uh, you know, I, I said, I'll, I'll sell it for you on a 10% fee for selling it. She said she would do that. And then, uh, so we wrote up an agreement that she would sell it. And so I sold it to Signpost Motel Limited, which was me, yeah. <laughs> you know. And so with the, with the commitment of the uh, 10%, I went to the bank and then uh, that gave me the down payment for the motel. And then from there on in, you know, uh, you know so that's kind of how I bought yeah. the first motel. And then later on, the sawmill didn't quite work, but I was there for five years. Yeah. Wow. Gave it all away for $1 and long story is all in the book. And then from there and then started bringing force parks right. in 1975, you know, so. Uh, but that's a great story. The point is that if you want to be entrepreneurial and be successful in business, you have to have, you know, that passion. You have to believe in what you're doing, and then you have to be innovative. And and then uh, you know you have to uh, you know try to stay awake as long as you can uh, yeah. possible to get it off the ground and stay with it, right? Yep. You know, so yeah. so now with you then, Paul. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, then so what happened next? Then now you had now you had to start again, find new buses. Yep. What happened next? Oh Lord. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I bought the you know the first bus that we actually owned, or at least uh, you know had it financed for with a good guarantee. Get, where did you get that? Uh, out of piece? Abbotsford. Abbotsford down south. Yeah. Uh, then continue to do charters for another winter and then afterwards during that winter we had a had an opportunity to camphor polar came to me and said you know Ooh, okay. camphor polar okay so and they were doing their manhole and they were using a, a local company but they had enough of that so they asked me to take it over and that was my first big contract, contract off yeah. and of course i went to the bank with my contract think i'm gonna buy a bus yeah. And so I went there. Royal look what Bank I got, again. Royal Bank again. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Look yeah. what I got. I got a you contract. You kind of stayed with them. Yeah, 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 for a bit. Yeah, <laughs> I changed later on. But yeah, yeah me too. One time, I remember. I remember going to the bank with that contract. They go, "Look what I got. I can do. I can get a loan from you guys to get buy a really good bus now." Yeah. Like, no, nice. That's a cute piece of paper. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, I'm like, really? And then they're like, Yep. Nope. We won't finance your bus. They're too expensive. Blah blah blah. So then I had to really start hunting. Then I met a fellow named John McMinn, or John Bob McMinn. Bob yeah, so out of Vancouver. And he owned a bus company, then sold it and created North America's first bus leasing company. So I had okay. to go down to him and chat with him. And he eventually gave me my first 
And so okay bus. Yeah. you then negotiated the lease with yes. them. Yeah. On and that then became the model kind of for your business. Uh, for a little while, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you start evolving. You know, John and I. John, why am I calling John? Because Bob. From John. Yeah. So <laughs> Bob McNeil and myself had a good working relationship, so he kind yeah. of supported me. And as I needed buses, he'd finance me, so he'd be my financier. And yeah. And eventually, I started evolving. You know, because his rates were a little bit higher, so I had to go into the banks and you know, work my interests and, you know, work with what I could. Yeah. So, but he definitely gave me a leg up and we're still very close friends to this day. Mm -hmm. And uh, Was that yeah. a critical connection in oh, yeah. your success? Absolutely. I find even for myself that at certain points, yep. you know, that I remember, well, the ones very where much. I was way down, you know, kind of hanging on like this, which was really quite a few. Mm -hmm. And then there were others saying that was the turning point. Yeah, I have a few turning points. Yeah. It's that uh, when I, when I bought my second bus, you know, because I bought the first one for fifty thousand. Second bus, I bought it for like twenty some odd thousand out of Montreal yeah. and brought it across the country. And that year was a really bad year because not only was that bus, you know, engine, transmission went that eighteen thousand dollar bill, Ooh. engine went forty thousand dollar bill, Ooh. transmission went down again because they didn't fix it right. So now you're you're incurring all those, you know, sixty some odd thousand worth of Ooh. bills and losing all the revenue because you weren't, I had to farm out the work to my competitor, which is a multi-billion dollar company. Yeah. So they're like, sure. <laughs> they're very happy. So I remember being in Cash Creek and this is a kind of a dark spot for me, but I'm okay talking with it. You know, I thought I was going to lose my house, my family, everything, because well, yeah. everything was going down fast. Exactly. You know, it's it very, yeah. and I was driving the Caribou Cougars and I pulled over in Clinton and I, I had some thoughts about it was probably easier just to step away from this world and step in front of a logging truck. Oof. So it was dark and I remember stopping me and I was just, if I made it look like an accident, then it was, yeah, it's, it's true. That's where my thought was. But yeah. I just, I couldn't do it, you know, of course, yeah. but it was there. And yeah. uh, so I just decided to focus on positive things and taking, you know, little life lessons from, you know, you know, entrepreneurs, like simple things. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing every day. Put on exactly. your pants exactly. and move forward, you know, yeah. and, exactly. and just start little mantras and, you know, vision boards and, yeah. and just, keep staying positive and kept moving forward, yeah. forward. And it just, yeah. that little pinhole of light turned into a very broad sun, you know, so. Yeah. And things continue to grow in a very positive way. So, yeah. yeah. But you remember those points though, because I've been there too, yeah. you know, so Sad. that, uh, yeah. you know. Well, you risk everything in your family and, you know, yeah. and for a dream. And when your dream's not going positive, yeah. it can get pretty dark. So. In, in me, in a different way, uh, you know, where, I found that, uh, you know, that, that there was, it's part of the book, there was a fraud happening in the industry and, uh, and I, th by coincidence, bumped into it as it affected me and then, uh, you know, felt that <laughs> I thought everybody thought the way I did. If it is wrong, it should not be done in that matter and, uh, you know, and then when I made uh, noise about it, they cut me off of all supply. Mm. And, and then, uh, you know, the, uh, there was a period, well, I had nothing left, you know, so the, uh, you know, and, and then even in the town, W5 did uh, a segment on that, where they said, as I'm walking down Third Avenue, nobody dares to even come close to John Brink, because if they do, they'll never work again, because this, this town is controlled by the forest industry. Mm. And then, uh, you know, we uh, took him to court, uh, 69 days in court, in the Supreme Court. 
uh, a change the whole forest the in uh, forest industry in North America. Uh, you know the uh, it is somewhat very similar to walking across the street being run over, but it was not your fault. Uh, mm -hmm. It was on on catwalk, but now you're dead. And uh, but you know you changed everything, but you're yeah. dead. Yeah. You know so that kind of a thing, and uh, you know so. Uh, that kind of brought me to the deepest of points, you know, and then uh, was a period I drank too much, uh, you know, the, uh, had really nothing left and, uh, you know, saying, uh, you know, the, and then from there on in, uh, you know, to, to build it back up again was virtually impossible. In fact, the lawyers afterwards said, they said, how could you ever have done that? But, you know, coming from there, you had nothing left, absolutely nothing. You know, and and uh, you know, and and now you have this big company, and you know, how could that possibly happen? <laughs> and I don't even think about it that way, but uh, you know, but it it probably, uh, you know, they say that uh, if it kills you, it doesn't kill you, make you stronger type yeah. of thing. That's that is one of them, but the yeah. other one was, I I have this boundless belief, and that uh, you know, I can make this work, you know, and then. Uh, the other part that is very important to my life is that uh, you know the, the I have signs hanging up in my office not not here but it says uh, uh, attitude you know avoid the negative I, I, I don't want them around me and then passion I, I deeply believe in the things that I do every morning I get up and uh, at 5:30 and be, when I get up I always make up my bed and then uh, you know then i'm ready to go and uh, you know and every day to me most of the most people don't ever see me that i'm down i'm always you know just mean that i'm not sometimes but i always get myself up and going and then passion and then at the end work ethic and what follows is success yeah. you know so uh, but uh, the a lot of times the people don't realize that you know how how deep people have to go in some cases and it makes you wonder how you ever got through it, you know, so, yeah. True. And, uh, you know, so I've been there, you know, so, yeah. So tell me a little bit more about, <laughs> you know, so that, and, that and the point, Olympics. yeah. Well, yeah, then as things were brightening up and more positive things were flowing my way, then the Olympics was announced that it was going to come to British Columbia, to Vancouver. <laughs> so then they were giving out contracts and I was overseen. Right, okay. even though it yeah. overlooked, yeah. absolutely. So I contacted my MLA. Yeah, sure. And I surely, um, you know, saying, "Hey, you got to get me in the door here. Please help me." Yeah. Because I really wanted to be part of this. You know. Yeah, yeah. So I, I lobbied, uh, fought, and eventually they agreed. But they, they sent the you know um, CVSE to inspect my buses or all our you know operational and make sure that we're suitable. Yeah. And yeah. we passed, of course. Then they gave me a pretty high-profile uh, assignment and taking care of all the media wow. for uh, Whistler. So I had every second hour, I had a bus going from Canada Place to Whistler, 24/7 for the the month. Yeah. And uh, uh, then as things were progressing, the other company was kind of in sync with me on the opposite of hour was from the states, and they were f they were failing miserably. So yeah. the, uh, Vanock uh, enabled me to hire another company and train them up, and I managed to bring in six more buses, mm -hmm. 11 drivers, with, and have them activated in 78 hours from Calgary yeah. and eject the American company. So, yeah. so by doing so, Vanock uh, acknowledged that and gave me the, the Paralympics as well. 
So that was again a, a major change. It was point that kind forward, of yeah. raised your profile, right? Yeah, that's as a, it, as a yeah. can yeah. as a can-do operation, right? Absolutely. Totally, having yeah. that on a on your resume. Yeah. Definitely opened some doors. Oh yeah, no yeah. question about it. And the revenue helped for sure. Yeah, well, um, obviously. You know, that's so Camfor, then Van Ock, all my charters. Then after that, kind of slowed down. Then Mount Milligan started happening. Yeah. So then I went very aggressive towards Mount Milligan and did everything in my power. So I remember being the first guy with the engineers up there watching the first excavator come off the uh, low bed and begin digging and start the work up there. So I've been right. up there since. So. So, so what do you do with a company like that now? That for for those uh, of mm. our guests that are, are watching, Mount Milgan is a major mining organization. Center Gold, yeah, yeah they and are. they are located uh, between Fort St. James and Mackenzie. Yeah. yeah. So and and so fairly large organization, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. yeah and so primarily, um, we I'll do manhaul. Yeah, yeah, we do manhauls. Yeah. So you know, daily from different communities and yeah. on site that type. So of thing. that alone is, uh, and that goes steadily. Yeah. So rather, than, are they doing manhauls because instead of having camps, they're doing no, they, both. They have a camp, yeah. but yeah. they still have people that you know. You know, we have an airport run that goes twice a day, a.m. p.m. Yeah. From PG Airport up to site, and there's always people moving. People stay at camp. There's a transit system at camp as well, plus yeah. Fort St. James, Mackenzie, Smithers. It's all feeds into the the system. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's that's evolved nicely over time with them, and uh, yeah, you know, and we've also now we've we branched off and started working with other mining groups as well. And uh, out west, we're really focused on the Golden Triangle. So, yeah, yeah. So that's where we're focused. That is right now. where between Smithers, Terrace, and Dees Lake. Yeah. So in that region with the Taliban nation. So yeah, yeah. lots of uh, uh, prospects there, right? It's, it's lots of prospects and lots going on right now. Yeah. The uh, Red Crest mine is was purchased by an Australian company, and they yeah. just the same company that bought Red Crest two years ago just bought um, Bruce Jack. Yeah. So now they own both those mines, and there's also another ski and resort. So there's like three or four operating mines with all busing going on. So right now we're just working to. Try to take over all of that area. So, so, so yeah. you have your company primarily located in Prince George, but mm -hmm. you have Satellite satellites yes. all over the place. Yes. How many buses do you have now? Where, where are we at? About thirty-eight 30, or yeah. so. In that, so yeah, from different sizes yeah. all the way up to the yeah. coaches. So, yeah, yeah. amazing. Mm. You yeah. know, so, so yeah. yeah, and and she's a wasn't for her <laughs> <laughs> but you good you good team you know, yeah. it's uh, you know well you know t to me it's always been uh, you know it's the team that does the job you know you cannot soar like yeah. an eagle if you work with a bunch of turkeys right <laughs> <laughs> i've never heard that one yeah. but i like it i'll remember it yeah we have yeah. lots of um well I, over the years obviously we've had um you know employees that have retired they're no longer driving but on the whole we have drivers that have been with us for like since you started, yep. right? And since 2005. Yeah, yep. yeah, definitely. Yep. So, so it's, it's, it's great to have that, that level and shop team as well. Like just, um, yeah. you know, you have a revolving door sometimes with, with, you know, certain positions or what have you, but the core has always been, 
you know, really, really strong and um, yeah. really low attrition and yeah. And yeah, I kind of follow you guys on, on Facebook. <laughs> I don't know where I saw the uh, saying, uh, Paul is picking up a bus from Montreal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, so th these kind of things. And I think, you know, I can just, and I had never met you, you know, so yeah. I can well imagine you can, this guy loves his company and he wants to have that, the feel of that bus, that <laughs> brand spanking new bus yeah. driving it across Canada. Yeah, well, uh, same with what's the, that one you just got. Which one? The black one? Yeah, Black Beauty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's out of California, but I didn't go pick it up, no. Yeah, no. So, hmm. so where does it go from here? Because uh, you don't have to worry about the $20,000 Visa card anymore so much. Yeah. No. Not so much. No, continue to grow. Uh, yeah. We're definitely uh, driven to expand. Um, yeah, right now we're focused out west and locally. My, I do really, there's a couple contracts in this region that we're, we'd really like to have a chance at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and they're government contracts, but it seems to be an enigma. Yeah. Um, but that's a whole other story. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so trying to offset the you know challenges and stuff. There's definitely, you know, like everyone else is finding labor shortage. Um, trying yeah. to keep, um, yeah, trying to keep enough bodies, yeah. enough guys behind the wheel, gals behind the wheel that can uh, drive the buses is a bit of a challenge sometimes. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, especially up out west. Yeah, it's, uh, especially in these remote because you've got so yeah. many. So much competition, right? Well, the competition's pretty steep. My one competition, it was, it was called First Canada. Um, they were the world's largest transportation company throughout you know, the world. They have trains in Europe and 70,000 vehicles yeah. worldwide. So they just sold to a hedge fund out of the States now. So now they're going to be First America. Yeah. My other comp competitor is the local one. I probably won't say the name, but yeah. they're based out of Calgary and they have like 4,500 employees. So we're the little guys with you know 50 people, and we're continuing to just nip, 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 no, we're in the middle. Yeah, it makes so. you more agile That's, in a way, right? Well, they're like big oil tankers on the ocean. You turn the wheel; it takes a while for that nose to turn. Yeah, a little speedboat. Can, <laughs> you yeah, see, so. that's what I find is that you know, like. Uh, for a forest company compared to the way it used to be, it used to be 600 little forest companies around northern BC, uh, you know, that uh, were little small ones. But now, you know, if you look at the forest industry, is about three or four major ones that control most of the annual allowable cut. Yeah. And then we as a company, although we're just a small company, but we employ close to 400 people. That's and awesome. then, uh, yeah. you know, compared to, the mill that I worked for, the biggest one in town, that where I got my job is Netherlands Overseas. There was a big mill. Well, we produce much more than they do now. Wow. So it's an industry in transition, but the, the big guys that, uh, you know, that uh, control uh, the fiber and, uh, you know, the, uh, but what I find is that, uh, you know, but now has happened with these bigger companies that, uh, they are not entrepreneurial anymore and mm. a lot of times that once they have access to the fiber then they lose that ingenuity mm. uh, you know what I do as you probably guys do as well I wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat because I have to figure out something different tomorrow yeah. and and uh, you know and I do that that's my life and then uh, at the same time uh, you know the uh, I own I'm the sole owner of the company so if I make a decision, I can make it 
fairly quickly, right. n not not recklessly. It doesn't have but to go through a whole bunch of levels of yeah. bureaucracy. So, right? but the other ones can do, and yeah. then we have been in business for forty-seven years. There must have been something good about it, Absolutely. you know. And and so we still very much poised for growth. Yeah. I look at uh, you know the. Uh, but after the opportunity presented itself, and I usually do on the presentation as well, I call this the capital of Northern British Columbia, or the other half of the province, yeah. the, the half that produces 80% of the GDP. Mm -hmm. Hey guys, don't forget it. Yep. That's where it all comes from. Yep. There is great potential here, I believe, yeah. and still really has not been opened up you yeah. know, to its full potential. I think it's good potential in Prince George and the region in a yep. general way. And there is an amazing amount of resources just sitting here talking about the uh, Golden Triangle and, yes. and other mines that uh, are going on, uh, you know, and, and more that will be developed. Mm -hmm. There's uh, I think, uh, you know, the, uh, this huge, huge potential. Well, the Blackwater Project's the next one. So. Yeah, there's lots of opportunity here. Like we've, Prince George is my home. Like I, like I say, I was in Cash Creek for like 10 years. It doesn't really count. Like this is... Right. This is our home, and I mean, we talk a lot about why we're here, and we just have so much, um, like the opportunity that's here, how beautiful it is, yeah. um, all the things that you can be involved in, all the things that you can do, and places that you can go. I can't imagine. I think it's a hidden gem, and I think more and more people are finding that out. And, and especially we're starting to see that. post COVID, or oh, yeah. you got you know, it. kind yeah. of, uh, you know, where do you want to be? Downtown Vancouver, and it takes you an hour and a half to get to work. No, thank yeah. you. You know, so uh, and. Uh, and here, obviously, uh, you know, you, it's, it's such an amazing area. It was a thousand or two thousand lakes all within 20, 30 miles from here. Uh, yeah. And there's nothing like it mm -hmm. in the world, you know. So No, British Columbia is the best place in the world. Yeah. yeah. And from First. Ontario. Yeah. <laughs> so you yeah. kind of see yourself then going forward. Now you're 52. Yep. Uh, you know, you're still a young fella. You know, you're still... Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, we're going to branch off in some other projects too. We're just, yeah. you know, poking around. So yeah, but right now it's still focused on the busing industry. So and yeah, we're going to keep moving forward there, and uh, it's a challenging one, but we're uh, we're definitely committed. So yeah, and, and, we, and, we, and right now we're working very closely with uh, indigenous groups as well, and and yeah. looking to expand that those business opportunities together. So yeah, yeah which is yeah. a fun project in its own right. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, having 20 years behind you and obviously a, a very solid reputation, yeah. the advantage that from what I hear you saying or talking to you about, that there are a number of larger companies that don't have the agility that you would have or the ability to showcase uh, your company being unique from the others. Yes. And, and so what I find, uh, at least in my business, is that... Uh, uh, you know, we uh, as a company, uh, you know, we're very proactive in the community. I've always been very proactive. A lot of people say, well, why are you doing that? Well, it's not all that is part of my culture. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. our community. You know, so, uh, and, and that helps us in terms of uh, building relationships and, and, and expanding the company in other ways other than lumber. Yeah. Uh, about four years ago, I bought interior warehousing which is the largest warehousing company in Northern BC. Yeah. I, I thought and, uh, I, it was poised for growth, and yeah. in my opinion, and since the time we have doubled it, oh, and nice. we will double it again, nice. uh, you know, because timing is everything. And then the same as uh, real estate. Uh, uh, I started accumulating real estate in 1987. 
and I had uh, in that area on the northern Chaco. Oh, and right. then yeah. we, we really started becoming active uh, uh, five, six years ago right. or so. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so we probably one of the largest uh, developers now in, uh, in northern BC because I believe it has lots of potential. Yeah. The other part about it is that, uh, you know, you, the houses that are being built here where at one point you would go to down the coast, the beautiful houses and all the... That's that's what's happening here now. Mm -hmm. The market demands, you know, products that, that level, yeah, yeah, that yeah. level, mm -hmm. yep. and uh, you know, and then the other part about it is obviously uh, a million dollar house is not nothing out of the ordinary now. True, no, not at all. And it likely will go beyond mm -hmm. that. I can see where Prince George probably, uh, you know, now we still around eighty thousand. I believe it will become one hundred and sixty to two hundred thousand people here probably in the next. 10, 15, 20 years. That's a big boom. Yeah. Yeah. But it's all here, right? The potential is. is all here. Agreed. Mm -hmm. You know. Hmm. <laughs> it's exciting days. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to the future for sure. And I look at, you know, your story from 1975, starting with, you know, 25,000. Mine's almost 2005, starting the yeah. 20,000. And here we are in 2022. Yeah. And people are telling me it can't be done. I still believe that you know there's still opportunity for a lot of people to to go out there and try and find their way. And you know it's a little discouraging when I hear youths or people say there's you know what you did can never be done again. But if I remember looking back when I was younger and seeing an inter, you know entrepreneur yeah. like yourself, there's no way it could be done. But when you decide to do it, yeah, you got to do it. And I think there's so much opportunity here in town it's, and in this region that it, these these people moving to town or even youth have a chance. Yeah, and so, especially Canada. You yeah. know, the the you know the, the there's no country like Canada and there's mm -hmm. no place like BC. Yeah. You know that uh, you know and and so what I did is uh, you know. I, I, I had to write a book about it. I thought about it for a long time. So I, 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 it took me 80 years to live it and then uh, 20 years to think about it. Okay, and how and long did you write it? And two years to write okay. it. Okay. Yeah, and uh, so, and, uh, you know, and, and the book is not about, it's an autobiography. It's not, it's precisely what you were talking about, Paul. It's not about hurrah, hurrah, John. No, yeah. that's not what it is about. It's about with all the adversity and all the challenges along the way, including the deepest depth. I said, yeah. I'm going to write it all. It will be all in there, all yeah. the bad, the good, and the ugly. And, and basically what I'm saying, you can do it. Yep. You know, anybody can do it. If I can do it, anybody can do it. And then, the, I don't know if you to that section yet in, in the book, but, uh, you know, that when I was 58, I found that I was uh, a classic ADHD. <laughs> and by pure coincidence, I, I read it and I, I want, uh, you know, so now, now you have to know yeah. that, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, I failed grade three. Nobody fails grade three, right? I failed grade three. No, <laughs> don't. I'm, not, I'm not even it joking. It took me all this time. To I, I swear to God that I failed grade three. And then three. I failed grade seven three times. Okay, well, I can't say that. And then, then, then they yeah. said, uh, okay, what do we do with him? Well, yeah. he likely should go to the mentally challenged school. And, uh, or does he get a job, you know, mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. and then my dad, this was on May, the third time that I had failed and the schools were going to go on holidays for four weeks. And, uh, I came home again and my report card was, uh, you know, these, uh, another failure. So that's yeah. the end of it. So on Sunday, 
you know, the, my dad had a friend that had a clothing store, so they want, I was relatively small for my age, and uh, you know, the, uh, and find coveralls, but they didn't really have the coveralls for little guys you like. You mean what, like 12 years old? 14. 14, okay. Yeah. He failed a couple times. Oh, yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the, uh, so I had to, uh, you know, with the, with the coveralls, they bought me two pairs and then we had to f roll them up and the crotch was hanging by my, that's modern now, but it wasn't yeah. then. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so that's when I want to, uh, to become a furniture maker. And, uh, you know, so that's where I was uh, working for uh, two and a half years and then I was drafted into the Dutch Air Force hmm. for two years, and uh, of of all things, uh, I was relatively small for my age, and I became uh, Air Force Police and Special Forces. I don't know why. Uh, I, I had a brown belt judo, you know, which certainly wouldn't set the world on fire. <laughs> I cannot think of any other reason why would you put me in it. Anyway, so after that, I, I again started working for a major lumber company and and. Uh, in, in Holland and, and very quickly went through their ranks. But every time I did something, they said, well, John Brink is Brink's son. Yeah. And, and I said, no, I'm gonna, I, I felt that was a failure. Mm. And, uh, you know, so I wanted to start from nothing. Yeah. So when I left Holland with two books, my set clothes, one suitcase, $150 leaving Schiphol, by the time I got here, I had $25.47. Wow. And, but I, I knew I would build a mill. Yeah. It was not if, but when. You visualized it. Yeah. yeah. There was no question in my mind about it. And then, so now, with that being said, so then, so that's what this book is saying that if I can do it, anybody can do it. And then the other part about it, that, uh, but the book is coming out on uh, uh, July the 8th. It will be ADHD Unlocked. Mm. So that's the book that comes out. Uh, yeah. I'll be curious of that one. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I oh. think that sometimes that's part of it is that people maybe with ADHD make fantastic entrepreneurs because it's a superpower. Right? It is. That's how I call it. You can't sit there. That's you don't want to just sit there, right? You don't want to just sit there and behave or do what no. someone's telling I'm, you to I'm do. I'm a classic, you know, yeah. so that I was standing on the books on 4th and then I was 58 years old and for whatever reason I found this book it said driven by distraction and I I still don't know why I opened it and I started reading on it and and, and I thought, oh my God, this is me. And I wrote it in the book, actually, in yeah. Dutch. Hmm. Wow. Now I finally know who I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so unbelievable. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, so then after being there for about an hour, they said, are you going to buy this or what are you going to do? <laughs> I bought it, obviously. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, but I believe uh, that part, again, is very misunderstood by mm -hmm. many and uh, you know and so I feel I have to talk about it Definitely. and write about it yeah and it, it, the stigma is not as much now as it used to be but uh, you know I felt it was very important to uh, it was tough because I went through that and I was isolated and my learning how to be put in an isolated cubicle because I was too hyperactive and just anything shiny I'd be chasing it so yeah driving but, crazy. Uh, yeah but uh, yeah it was, it was 
something that was a part of I was ashamed of it forever, but now I embrace it. So, um, and and so did I. Yeah. I felt I was a failure. Yeah. And uh, even when I was here, even when I had the lumbar mill, they said, "Oh my God, you got it." I didn't feel that way. I, to me, I, I was still a failure. That's how I and, feel right now still. And, and then the fortunate part about it is finding that, and then another part that was very important to me is that uh, by pure coincidence, I, I, I was, had low self-confidence, was not a very good communicator. Anytime there were more than three people in my circle, I, I had difficulty with that. And then by pure coincidence, my ex-sister-in-law, uh, you know, drag me somehow to Toastmasters and I was there and then I said, I'm not going to go. If somebody asked me, I'm not going to talk about anything. I just sit there and I look and listen. Don't ask me any questions. So anyway, the, the, I sat there and he said, what is your name? And I said, there you go. Right. So I said, I'm not going to go back here. Yeah. And then uh, somehow I got back there again the following week. Yeah. And then from then on and stayed for 10 years, became a distinguished Toastmaster, which is the highest level in Toastmasters. Mm -hmm. And from then on and became a fairly regular speaker in different settings mm -hmm. uh, and all the, it changed my life. Mm -hmm. It cost me $2 a week. Yeah. And so the combination of that discovering ADHD and that it is a superpower. That's what it is. Yeah. And, and then the ability to gain the confidence that yes, I can do this. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, then uh, Toastmasters in combination, uh, you know, but, uh, and then the other problem that I had is uh, PTSD from the time the, you know, I was born during the second world war yeah. and, uh, you know, and there's all kinds of issues relating to that. So I was a bit of a basket case. <laughs> yeah. Look at you now. Yeah. Yeah. So, but now I have to talk about it. I thought I'd about it. So, and yeah. that's what I'm doing. And uh, so, I, uh, you know, and, and so this one I'm going to give to you, Paul. Oh, and I'm going to sign it for you. Look what the price is on the book. You don't have to pay for it, but I'm going right. to look at it what the price is. <laughs> all right. Thank you, sir. <laughs> No, I like, can't. Like, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to send you, Susanna. Yes. Can you do it now? Yeah. We're going to do it right on the racket here. Yes. I love looking at the pictures. Yeah. You, yeah. yeah I like I the pictures. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Senator. Thanks, John. <laughs> That's so cool. And Books and Company has the same price, too. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and, and so the next one is on. I'm going to make sure I give you guys a copy of that as well. Thank you Appreciate so much. It. Thank you for being my guest. Oh, thank you for having Thanks, us. Thanks, Paul. My it's pleasure. Been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks.